Offering bundled products is quite simply one of the most important things you could do when running an online store. Bundles are so effective that it's one of the few things that's on every single product page on Amazon. Why? Because it works! The easiest way to add powerful and flexible bundle options to your store is the Bold Bundles app. It's become my favorite bundle app. I recently learned it's one of the few on Shopify that doesn't duplicate products or variants and doesn't rely on coupon codes either, so it doesn't mess up your inventory. Every store has a different idea of how they want to offer bundles. Bold Bundles can handle them all. It could do traditional group bundles, BOGO bundles, even no discount, you may also like bundles. The coolest thing though, at least according to me, is the combo product. Bold lets you create a virtual product that represents the bundle, so you can edit the product just like any other in your store, but when a customer adds it to the cart, Bold Bundles adds all the products in the bundle at whatever discount you set. It's seamless. So if you want to add bundles to your Shopify store and increase your average order value in the process, I highly recommend the Bold Bundles app. And as a listener of the unofficial Shopify podcast, Bold is offering it to you free for two months. Just go to kurtelster.com bold, and you can install it from there to get your exclusive offer. kurtelster.com bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores, like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page, so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. So you don't record 350 or so episodes of a podcast and not make other podcaster friends. So I was thrilled when Austin Browner, who is an e-commerce business coach and hosts the e-commerce influence podcast that also has 300 something episodes, said that he would love to do a joint episode with me. I said, wait, the heck's a joint episode? He said, well, we're going to record it together as... Uh, as co-hosts, and then release it simultaneously on both our shows. I said, that's brilliant. Oh my gosh. Content. I love content. Let's do it. And the the topic we came up with was the top e-commerce myths that drive us crazy. We said, we'll do five. And then we ended up with six because there's just too many to pick from. And the issue is, you know, for me, they're, they're an annoyance. They're bothersome. They're frustrating. But for business owners, it often is... They're limiting beliefs. They're things that are really holding you back, or at the very least, wasting your time and making you pull your hair out. So in today's episode, Austin Browner and I are going to break down for you the top six e-commerce myths that are holding you back and making me crazy. All right, we're live. Kurt, man, good to see you. Excited to have you. I'll just be recording with you, man. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're, we're titans of our industry. I think, I think that goes without saying. No I, one's going to dispute dispute that with me. I, and we don't 
we don't spend enough time talking. We do, you know, we do podcasts every once in a while. We'll hop on and do uh, some live trainings or that sort of thing, but I always enjoy it. And so um, it's exciting today to do a co-hosting of a show together and dive in and do some debunking, some e-commerce myth debunking. And so what we say we're doing, we're, we're co-hosting a show. You, uh, to be clear, we're going to simultaneously release this as episodes on each of our respective shows. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. To for, for first maxim- crossover episode for maximum e-commerce myth debunking, we'll release it at the same time and it'll go out there and spread and hopefully, uh, hopefully help people who are in the weeds, making progress, um, growing their business, doing things and the people that are, in, that are, that are <laughs> yeah, exactly that are in the arena. Um, but yeah, so today we're going to talk about basically six e-commerce myths because we're sick of these things being propagated in our space and we've been doing it for a while and we've got a little bit of I, th- I would say some perspective and so we're going to share some of our thoughts on this <laughs> that was why wow, that was understated because a these are all things that drive one or both of us crazy like just <laughs> drive us nuts oh geez rick and to say it like oh we have some perspective we've been ha- i've been in e-commerce most of my adult life i assume you have as well yeah, man. Yeah, it's been uh, it, it, we're d- definitely deep in the game at this point, and it's changed a lot. But what's been interesting is a lot of the stuff we're going to bring out has been in our has been kind of like around for a while, right? And it's it's surprising because these things um, haven't died yet, right? They just keep filtering around and filtering around, and um, and so hopefully today we can put a nail in the coffin, make an impact. It's not going to happen. I'm not holding out hope, but I'm going to try anyway. Well, let's dive in. Let's dive in. All right, let's do it. I'll start with number one, which is one of the things that drives me the craziest. And myth number one is that to truly grow your business and to scale up, you need to diversify your traffic. The reality, that's not true. You don't need to have 10 channels driving driving traffic to your website to be able to grow. I think you only need two, two, tra- two channels to scale. Something that works and something that brings in repeat customers. I like that view. I also, another way I, I fr- will phrase that for people is you need two plans. Your make money today plan and your make money tomorrow plan. And that's, that's just a different uh, perspective on that same idea. Or another way to do it might be like, okay, I always like to go, people go, hey, how do I grow? How do I scale? I go, well, what works? Do more of that and less of what doesn't work. And so if you have one channel that you could attribute your return on ad spend on, it works really well, just keep doubling down on that. See how far it'll go. But at the same time, I get it. They, I think the diversifying is not about growing. It's about defanging it. It's about taking the risk away. And so that's why, you know, ideally you do like, all right, 80% of my budget goes to the thing I know works and I just keep doubling down on it. And 20% of my marketing budget goes to, I'm going to experiment with other channels. And I think that's okay. But again, that's also, you know, it's a, that's a variation on, you know, the today, tomorrow strategy. And it really depends on where people are in their journey, right? So early on, early on, there's, I think it's a tendency when you're just getting started to try to like see all the things other companies are doing. And you may be like, (laughs) I remember talking to someone they're like, well, we saw subway ads in New York city for Casper. Should we think about running subway ads? And they were doing like $50,000 a month in sales. I was like, (laughs) no, no, definitely not. Like right now your goal is to find one thing. 
that works and see how far you can take it. Once that's going, then you can diversify. If you look at a lot of like the top top brands that people know of, uh, whether that's like movement watches, initially it was Facebook ads or, you know, for Sigmatic, for example, you'll hear them on podcasts all the time, uh, away. They grew a lot with affiliates initially, like every travel blogger was just flogging these away bags for, <laughs> for months and months. Um, and what's interesting is I feel like so much of the top of the results go to like the top 1%. And that's why it's so important for you to be really, really good at one thing. But I totally agree with you, Kurt. Later on, when you've got massive risk tied up and you're spending 50K a month in uh, Facebook ads or, you know, and you're feeling totally exposed, that's when it's time to defang it and diversify. So uh, myth one, uh, divert you must diversify your traffic, you know, regardless of all else. We're going to call that busted. Boom. Boom. All right, Kurt, you're up for number two. What's your, I know this one, this one drives you crazy. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm opening with the one that makes me insane on a regular basis. And that's Google page speed that you have to have a high uh, page speed score rating. And that if you could get a perfect score, suddenly it's like the gates of e-commerce Valhalla open and everything you want to rank for, you're number one for, and your website loads so quickly, people just can't help but convert. And the reality is a fast website is nice and a slow website's not going to help, but it is not like this be all end all, tear your hair out and rip all the content out of the site for the sake of the page speed gods. And it's the importance of it wildly overstated and then on top of that everybody's got lte phones these things are faster than most people's broadband connections it's nuts uh but i've got uh i've got some page speed score numbers for some websites yeah that i would like to rattle off and that's that's how we're we're gonna f uh put the nail in the coffin on page speed being like this massively important thing let's hear it I, let's hear it i question the importance of uh or i question the accuracy of the tool especially in relation to shopify i really like the given the the seven and eight figure stores i see with like 15 a 15 score in google page speed i suspect that like there are days where google page speed works by you know it downloads your website over dial up and then sergey brin describes it over the phone to larry page who gives it an arbitrary <laughs> score uh but all right uh, Allbirds, Allbirds.com. We would agree that that's like a really huge, important DTC Oh, for site, sure, right? for sure. Uh, all right. Well, their mobile score in Google PageSpeed is 12. 12 out yeah. of 100. 12 out of 100. Yeah. So but as like, you can tell, as you can tell, Google, Google PageSpeed is the most important factor in the growth of your store. Yeah. Well, and Amazon, like they're number one, right? The Amazon is the 800-pound gorilla. Uh, what do you think their mobile score is? Because they got engineers. They have to have nailed this. I, given that Allbirds is 12, I'm going to say 22. All right. Amazon actually does pretty well. 46. 46. Still, they don't even get above 50. They're still in an F. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, man. What, and then. What, where, where do you typically see people like bugging out? Like what, what is the, like, where do they bug out if their score is below? Uh, gee, if it's below 60, like, cause they yeah. do, they're doing the. They're doing academic math on it where they're going, oh, that's a failing grade. And that's part of the problem with the way it grade it. The what drives me crazy is that 
I can measure how fast your store loads. I can quantify it with time or yeah. the size, right? It's not a difficult thing to quantify. But instead, we have the scoring system that applies a largely arbitrary score that works out to a percentage. So it looks suddenly, it appears to merchants, oh my gosh, I got a failing grade, and they can't help but panic. And nobody of course wants it's going to give grade. them anxiety. Nobody no. wants a failing grade. We've been trained for years and years and years not to get the failing grade. And I just, I don't even get, I don't get what Google's getting out of it. I don't, I think it's just to distract us all from trying to beat the, the ranking algorithm. <laughs> They're well, like, here's, so, here's a shiny toy to fiddle with. Uh, I'll, I'll share one more thing, which is most likely uh, downloading another app to fix your page speed is probably not going to solve it. Well, and sometimes the scummiest thing I saw was a site, the guy, this guy's so proud. He was in my Facebook group, but I didn't, I didn't tell him. I didn't want to tell him. He's like, I paid this guy, you know, 800 bucks. And now my site scores a hundred out of a hundred. And we looked at the site. What the guy had done was wrap the Shopify store in an iframe. So <laughs> Google PageSpeed doesn't load the content inside of an iframe. So oh all God. it saw was like a two line HTML document was like, boom, nailed it. hundred out of a hundred. <laughs> That's pretty scummy. That's, yeah. That's scummy. So, so officially, so just to wrap it up, so to be like, actually like where, where do you get concerned at all? Or do you ever get concerned about page speed? I mean, if you're on your website, on your phone and it's slow and frustrating or people are complaining about it being slow. All right. That's a legit problem. Yeah. Uh, if I will often tie it back to like, just what's the size of this page? Uh, if it's under five megs, the chances are it's really not going to be a problem. Um, but the I think at the end of the day, you know, I phrase it, it's similar to audio quality on a podcast. Good quality doesn't hurt. Bad quality doesn't help. It sure. is the same for a website. But whether or not something is good or bad is, is subjective. I'm on gigabit internet. I can load a 100 meg website and probably not even feel it or notice, right? Yeah. Um, if you have an LTE phone in a major city, not going to feel it. So it's, it's when you get to people, it's like, all right, I live in a cabin and I have satellite internet and, uh, okay, that's where, and it like works out to 10 megabit. That's where you really start picking up, um, the advantage in, in speed. So some of it depends on your audience, but yeah. Um, yeah. If you're selling generators yeah. to people living in cabins, you probably should have a good, good page speed. Yeah. And at that point, it's like, okay, start making this site lo-fi. Like, we're not yeah. loading custom fonts anymore. We're not auto-playing videos. You know, really, you have to start sacrificing um, some fancy content features. Cool. Busted? Busted. Boom. I like it. All right. Number three. Now, this one is one that I am very passionate about. Uh, and it's pa I'm passionate about it because I see so many people get caught up in this. Myth number three is that you need to be up on all the new stuff in our industry. Get those shiny toys. Just you got to be in early, and you got to be you got to be doing Clubhouse first. You got <laughs> Clubhouse. Gotta be, you got to be sending Facebook Messenger. You got to be doing all the messaging at all times to everybody, and you got to be the first. I've the never seen people so excited about conference calls. Clubhouse? Yeah, oh, yeah. Clubhouse. Yeah, oh yeah. Conference um, call simulator. The reality is marketing tactics are not the answer. If you're listening to this, you probably don't need more marketing tactics. You probably have too many already. And I think that this really hits people when they have a very small team. Like maybe if you have three people or five people on your team, if you go to a conference, that can be like really dangerous for your business if you come back and have all this stuff you want to implement um 
And I've told this story before on my podcast, but I it, it's it's stuck with me. I met this guy named Carl White a long time ago, like when I was first getting into entrepreneurship. I was at Traffic and Conversion Summit, and he was he was doing some like workshop, or I can't remember exactly what he was doing. He, I think they brought him up on stage, and he was telling about how he would go there. And he would wait for his one thing because traffic and conversion summits, the ultimate shiny object syndrome place. So he would wait for one thing and his one thing he was going to implement. And then he'd go to his hotel room, he'd pack his bag and he'd go home. That could be day one. That could be day two. It didn't matter. He was just going to leave. And I always thought about that. I think it's so, so important because one good campaign executed is all you need to have massive success. I mean, one Facebook ad could drive a million dollars in sales. Focus, focus, focus. I, I keep in my, my 10 year business journey, I just keep relearning the importance oh, yeah. of focus because those shiny toys, they creep in on you and you're like, oh, well, this is cool. Let's try this. Oh, okay. Let's try that. And you don't see it happening until suddenly you go like, wait, I've gone, I've gone an inch in every direction and my business has not gone a mile forward. And that's when you just start looking, taking a hard look at stuff and you ax it. You got to Marie Kondo it where you go, does this spark joy? If this does not spark joy or cash, it is leaving my house and my business, right? Um, and I I have those moments. And I love your Carl White story because what I've after doing too many conferences, I don't take notes anymore. I make a list of action items and then that's it. I refuse to take notes because it's just, it's garbage. I want, it's noise, not garbage. Um, so I'll take action items and then through the, through the conference. And by the time I get back home, I have whittled it down to like, these are the three things I'm going to do when I get back. And it sounds like that's too, too many. <laughs> probably, probably. Right. Um, I think at the end of the day, like one executing one thing, I mean, it's to the same point from the first myth, which is like around diversification, being in the top 1% at a channel is so valuable. And that requires doing really working hard on one thing i'm doing we're doing a 45 day challenge in uh, one of my uh my program intentional wealth right now and one of one of the guys his the thing he's challenging himself to do is launch a new piece of creative on facebook every day for 45 days and he wow. was like if i get two winners out of that i'm set for a while right uh but i mean that's it's not trying new things it's trying new things but within the context of what he already knows what to do so that's my my rant on the new up new stuff. By the way, are you in Clubhouse? Uh, I I am, and you know what? I did. Uh, I sh showed up on a Clubhouse panel. Yeah. And I've only done it one time. I showed up. I told a story. Toby Lutke, Shopify founder, shows up, and it's like I just wanted to say that was really funny. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so after ragging on Clubhouse, my one and only Clubhouse experience was, was very positive. positive. <laughs> was positive. And your business tripled, right? After that? No, no. I mean, yes, no, maybe. <laughs> All right. Myth number three, I think it's busted. Hey, I got a question. How can you increase your Shopify sales by 10 to 15%? You could try standing on the corner with a megaphone. Hey, you in the denim jacket. What's your credit card number? I got some stuff you could buy. Or you could just use Zipify one-click upsell. Created by the owner of a $100 million e-commerce store and trusted by over 8,100 Shopify merchants, one-click upsell helps you boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross-sells. You can make pre-purchase upsells from the shopping cart, or 
You can make post-purchase upsells immediately after a customer completes their order. And with mobile-optimized offer pages that drive sky-high conversions and built-in split testing for maximizing your results, it's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $139 million in sales. It only takes a few minutes to install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10-15% to more revenue overnight. To start your free 30-day trial, go to zipify.com slash kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash Kurt. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at Zipify.com and ask them for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Okay, back to the show. What were we discussing? Okay, we've got... Well, you know what? I want to jump to... Well, you know what? On, on the, the, the new stuff, I think it's about that shiny toy syndrome. It's, a lot of it's about FOMO. Like, you hear about a thing, and, you know, you don't know that it's just like, it's a PR campaign, or that person got it for free, or whatever the heck. And you don't want to miss out. There's uh, people making money with a thing. I want to make money with that thing, too. And so that leads us into our next myth, is that if a big brand, and big brand is subjective, if a big brand does it, then it must be good and right. And it just isn't the case because you have no idea why that big brand has come to the decision to do that thing. It could be like they have some weird obligation from a contract no one read right 10 years ago. Could be like the owner's dog told him to do it. You really have no idea. And so to look at a, it, when we say big brand, it could be like, well, Amazon does it. Yeah, Amazon does a lot of things that you know, not all of them are necessarily like ethical or moral either. Um, or you know, a lot of, entrepreneurs will have like a portfolio of businesses that inspire them. And if any of those businesses that they really like and wish they were more like do a thing, install an app, you know, whatever it is, run a promo, they're like, I got to do that too. But you, you don't know, you don't have the whole story. You're not in their shoes. So I think it's like, it's important to have things that inspire you and take that inspiration, but to just blindly follow um, conventions set by other people for the, because you like their brand is a little nutty. I totally, totally, totally agree. And we can see the same thing when you look to another industry and we can pull it back and, and share how it, how it correlates with e-commerce. I look at finance as something that's the finance industry. You go on MSNBC, you see people debating and they're like, this stock is overvalued. It's, you know, you should sell it right now. It's going to be, it's, it's just to totally overvalued. Then you have somebody else who is saying how it's undervalued and you should be buying it. And it's the same with cryptocurrency. Bitcoin's like 58K right now. There's people saying that it's overvalued. It's like way too much. And other people are going to say that it's way undervalued. The reality is they both could be right depending on their time horizon and their strategy. Right. So somebody who is t saying the stock is undervalued, if they're trying to hold it for 10 years, they might be totally right. And the same person, if they're saying it's overvalued and they're trying their day trader, they're trading, swing trading, they could be right as well. And so we don't know what game other brands are playing. They could be losing money on the front end to make money on the back end. They could have a plan to drive up revenue, raise money, refill the bank account that they've emptied on Facebook ads so they can build some long-term play. And at the end of the day, if you're here running a business and you have a strategy of trying to be profitable, we don't know what they're doing. Right. <laughs> you don't, you well, don't know that's game. the crazy part is you, 
Some businesses are operating in a mode where they flat out are unprofitable intentionally. And you're gonna, if you're running a business where you want to be profitable and you think mimicking their approach is a good idea, well, you have two completely um, uh, opposed end goals, yeah, right? For sure. So. To your point about, I like the MSNBC example. You know, like I, I forced myself to stop watching CNBC and those business shows because you're exactly right. It's that like controversy, just talking heads yelling at each other that gets viewers. But like, who knows what the heck they're saying or what their agenda is? Um, and I know I read it. I've, I've seen an article where if you follow uh, Jim Cramer's advice, right? The guy's always yelling and he's he's doing the sound effects. He's like, oh, bye, 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 sell. If you followed all of his advice over a year, like every time he said to buy, sell, you'd never make money. Yeah. It is so hard to time the market. The, That's not the, necessarily related to e-commerce. It's though, not. I'll, I'll share one more <laughs> ra random uh, aside with that, though. In the finance industry now, uh, one of the big newsletter companies, Agora, they have to disclose the track record of people writing newsletters. So this person will say like, buy this, you know, get in. This is the next Apple or something like that. And then at the bottom, it'll say, if you followed like Michael and bought all of his stocks for the last three years, you'd be down 11%. <laughs> <laughs> Takes the wind out of it a little bit. Uh, absolutely. All right. So on that note, myth busted. All right. Next myth. The next myth that we'll share is, okay, this is one that I, I, I care quite a bit about, and that is uh, to grow. The only thing holding me back from growing my business, this is the myth, the only thing holding me back from growing my business is that I just need to work harder and crush it harder. Um, and You're just not hustling and grinding enough, Austin. I'm not, I'm not hustling, I'm not grinding enough. The Where's your Lambo? <laughs> I, it's crashed. I've crashed multiple Lambos uh, in oh. this in this hustling and grinding culture. Now, the the reality is that the top founders and the people that I, I I've worked with and um, know from the last eight years of doing this, they work hard to protect themselves from burning out, and they understand after a certain point, right after you get off the ground, like it's not about not doing enough it's about doing the right things and it's about managing your time and trying to figure out what's actually effective um i know andrew udarian who we both know who runs e-commerce fuel e-commerce fuel he did a poll uh, he polled like 400 seven figure store owners number one their number one struggle was time management hmm. and for for the way i look at it is that if you can master that and you can somehow figure out how to do less and uh, and do the right things, you're going to have, you can have massive success. It's not about, like you're not, Elon Musk is not working a thousand or 10,000 times harder than you or a hundred thousand, actually probably like a million times harder than you. Yeah, right? I think at his uh, level, it would be like a billion times harder. A billion, <laughs> a billion, he's not, he's not. He's trying to figure out, um, he's managing his time, his energy, and he's, trying to stay in the game and not burn out. That's why he's got projects that have gone for 30 years, 20 years. This is of the stuff we've talked about today. This is the one that resonates most with me as like speaking to my business experience. And even in the, the pre-call, we talked about it. You said, what's new with you? I said, well, I, I read uh, Cal Newport's uh, deep work and I, I wanted to put that into practice. And so I just dramatically limited my time. And I think one way to really like, internalize that is think about it this way 
there are a finite of finite amount of keystrokes left in your fingers. Every time you type, there's fewer keystrokes left until you die. That is, we can, that is factually correct. And so how are you going to spend that time? Where are you going to spend your finite keystrokes? And it, with an online business, obviously, like, it's all tappa-tappa, type-type, and the money comes out. Um, but it, not all activities are made alike. So you need to start thinking about, hey, what is, you know, what's the return on, on investment on the activities I'm doing? Can I prioritize the higher-end stuff? Is there stuff I can delegate? Is there stuff I can outsource? Is there stuff I can just get rid of? Honestly, the further along I get in business, the more things I say no to. One of my favorite emails I send, I have it mapped to a keyboard shortcut. I type semicolon, nope. And it, <laughs> it immediately just says, hey, you know, thanks for the opportunity, but to protect my time, I got to say no, no reply needed, send. That's the email I send the most. Yeah. And I have only gotten more productive, more efficient, more profitable, and uh, less anxious as a result. For sure. I mean, how many podcasts have you released? Uh, 350. If you yeah. don't include the guest ones, once you put the guest ones in, now we're like, I don't know, over 400 easily. Yeah. That's and, wild. And to be able to do that, I mean, I'm at 300 as well. To be able to do that, you can't burn out. You can't, yes. like you have to, and the returns on all that stuff, all the marketing, all the stuff you're putting out comes in over time. And yep. it, it comes in and all the skills you develop with that, all those things, they don't happen right away. And so if you can just figure that out, figure out your pace, I always, I try to think of like my pace. I think I run slower than other people, right? Some people are like, bang, 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 get it all done. Da, da, da. It's like they're at a high, high level. When I'm most effective, I'm slowed down. And when I'm slow, I'm able to make the decisions, like the really good decisions that lead us to much larger growth. Because um, I'm thinking a little bit more clearly. And I'm feeling yeah, through my, my decisions. So it's not about working harder. Slow down if that's your pace. And um, yeah, that's, 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 that's my myth busted there. The other one that I think, you know, I talked about reading, but I, I said I read Cal Newport's book. But how is that possible? Because our next myth says people don't read, especially on the internet. No one reads. This one consistently baffles me. Just nobody reads. Well, if that was the case, like, why is it that these really long sales pages perform well and these really uh, longer product descriptions do better? I have, a th I would love to, I don't even know how we'd set up like the criteria for this, but I, I bet the length of your product's description correlates to your conversion rate. I, I really think it does. It's interesting. That'd be an interesting test. Uh, well, okay. So let's, let's go dive in a little bit more because why do people, th why is that, why does that myth exist? That myth exists uh, because there's a lot of garbage that people write on the internet. I think it goes for eight. Yeah. There's a ton of, there's just a ton of total trash that no one's going to read. So number one, people don't read garbage. Okay. And that could be both the content or how it's formatted. If it's hard to read, I'm not going to read it. Um, or people reading it less likely, it goes down. And I think the other end of it is your, you know, if you're running an e-commerce store, uh, or I have several apps in the Shopify app store, you'll get questions from people, and it's easy to go, like, that's in the FAQ. And they'll, and they'll even type, like, they'll reply, like, I checked the FAQ and I didn't see my question. And I know full well it's in there. <laughs> so it's, you know, you don't, you never hear from the people who read it, figured it out, 
bought, you know, installed the app, bought the product, whatever it was, and moved on with their lives. You don't hear from them. You only hear from the folks who reach out and go, eh, I didn't see my question answered. And then they ask you the thing that you know is like in, you know, wrapped in a blink tag in the product description. Um, and so there's a bit of, uh, I think, confirmation bias going on there that reinforces this idea that, that people don't read. Now, what I think is true is people skim. So I think you have to, you, you want longer form content, but you want to make it skimmable. And so that's what you do. It, you got to uh, break up your paragraphs, use headings, uh, images, bullet points. And if you can make, you know, I, I think you want like a 500 word description. It's a little arbitrary, but a 500 word description and break it up with headings and bullet points. And then lo and behold, people will read. Um, and if you haven't yet tried to optimize product descriptions through copywriting, man, Nothing pays out. Uh, just nothing pays out. Uh, ROI is an optimization quite like copywriting. I mean, there's all kinds of shiny toys, man. Copywriting that is the revenue driver in many e-commerce businesses. And just to to put the nail in the coffin on this myth, I think when we look at an overall trend on the internet, uh, look at what's been growing very quickly: Substack, newsletters. People like long form content. I think people are craving good. I think one of the reasons Substack does a good, like is successful is because there's quality writers on there, but also they standardize the formatting kind of like medium did so that you can read it and it's easier to digest the content than going to some website where it's all, you know, some, some $5 an hour VA has formatted it. Uh, and it's, it just not, doesn't look good. But I love I love your point about the bullet points and writing and thinking of it like a um, some sort some sort of sales letter and yeah even with even with Facebook ads a lot of the best ones it's it's storytelling that can be done in video um, and also in, in I text. love I love the concept of storytelling and if if people don't read then you can't tell stories and if we can't tell stories we can't sell stuff exactly. And if we can't tell story, we can't tell stories. Life is so much less rich. Absolutely, right. That's what we all connect with. That's what we all. Connect but I, th with. I get why this myth is so pervasive. It's because when someone places an order on your website, or in my case, I've got uh, several Shopify apps, you get these questions that you know you've answered. You know that you've made this abundantly yeah. clear on your website, and then you get this question. It's like I looked everywhere and I didn't see it, and it's like you know wrapped in a blink tag somewhere, right? And that's when you're on the receiving end of that, but you never hear from the people who like, I was looking for an answer. I found it on your website. It was easy. Thank you. Those people don't email you. So I think there's, um, there's confirmation bias going on here. Oh, I think there's lots of stuff going on there. With that specific example, you have, uh, th there's also different types of buyers, right? There are people that can buy with very little information. They're like, gut feel buyers. Then there's people that are going to scour over your, your page looking for every answer, the more technical buyers. And then you have morons. Hey, <laughs> hey, there's a, <laughs> just think about, I always think about this example. Think about your, how big was your high school, Kurt? Oh, geez. Uh, several thousand people. Okay. Several thousand people. Now think back to high school. There are some people there Ew. that <laughs> that you, I would, I could never understand what was going on in their head. And, uh, when you think about the scale of the internet and the people, the number of people going to your website, when you get crazy outrageous comments or people that are like, I didn't check, I didn't see, I read your entire website. I didn't see anything. 
it comes back to the margins and you're always just the scale of the internet. You're always going to have the YouTube cesspool of comments. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so to, to the point, bringing it all back, like you're not ever going to please those people. It's, it's writing quality, good content and sales page, a sales page and a sales letter for the type of people that are going to read through your site. And there's a good chunk of people that will go through and make a purchase. And it, it really does make a huge impact. Uh, it's also like, it doesn't just, it's not just brand, like copy it, uh, Pep, Pep Laya. He Pep's, Pep's a great guy. And it's in Austin, Texas. He posted something on Twitter. It was like a year ago. He's like, if you had to choose between brand or copy, and you could only have one, a website that was perfectly beautiful with no copy or a website that looked terrible with copy, what would you choose? Uh, the copy website all day, every day. I don't even have to 100%. think about it. Not even, a, not even a question, right? So um, I think there's an overvaluing of the branding side and undervalue of the copy. But truly, the websites, the websites I've seen, they're, the first time I saw a $20 million website, uh, Shopify Story in $20 million a year, it was ugly as sin, bucked convention, and uh, there were a few things that were straight up broken about it, but they had phenomenal product listings. They put in the effort and it paid off. And that was the moment where I went, oh, content's more important than, than the design, than the branding, isn't it? Myth busted. 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 I love it. Curtis was fun. And um, yeah, it was always a good time to record. And... Yeah, man. I'm just uh, stoked we were able to do this. So we, yeah, you should definitely check Hold out the podcast. Yeah, I What's want that? an outro here. I want I want you to pitch my audience on you and then, uh, you know, I'll do some hand wavy promotion of myself. Yeah. Um, no, if, you, if, you're, if you're a listener to the unofficial Shopify podcast, you would be a big fan of the Commerce Influence podcast. We talk a lot about how to grow your business and how to create more freedom in your life at the same time. Um, that's been my kind of my mission and my, my plan for e-commerce and working with e-commerce entrepreneurs. It's a great podcast. Like Kurt, they have about 300 episodes. We've been doing it in tandem. Uh, and I hope this, our goal is this is for our audiences to cross pollinate and, and, uh, and discover each other. So Kurt, why should they listen to the unofficial Shopify podcast uh, with because, a level 99 Shopify wizard like yourself? Well, clearly the answer is because I have a soundboard. Tech nasty. There's our friend Ezra Firestone. <laughs> and certainly uh, you mispronounced it. It is pronounced the unofficial <laughs> Shopify podcast. <laughs> My kids will be like, uh, how come you yell when you record? <laughs> like, well, because there's an air horn. They're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, on my, on my show, the unofficial Shopify podcast, I have one goal, and it is to champion entrepreneurship. I have a similar mindset to Austin, where I want to create, for as many people as are willing to listen, financial independence, where you are in control because you're self-employed, you own your own business. And certainly it is not all sunshine and rainbows, um, but it has been a, a tremendous adventure. I am so grateful to have been able to go on it via podcast. And so what we do a lot of is, is share people's journeys and hopefully that can inspire you and you can learn from it. And then we also do a lot of, uh, a lot of support and handholding where we do Q and a episodes. I know we hit it's edutainment. We have a lot of fun. Um, just search Absolutely. unofficial Shopify podcast, wherever you get your, your shows. Yeah. Check it out. Check out Kurt's podcast. Uh, it's fantastic. Thank you, Kurt. Super fun. And 
uh, for everybody listening. See you on the next episode. Um, I got to get my electric car. Get out of here. Bye, Austin. Bye. E-commerce sales are at an all-time high. So if you've been waiting for the quote-unquote right time to launch your online store, here is your sign. Yes, you've got to launch it now. In 2021, success in e-commerce is going to depend on whether or not you provide an amazing customer experience. And Out of the Sandbox has a 10-year track record of delivering excellent customer experiences by building premium Shopify themes that look and work amazingly well. And that helps merchants make more money. So their best-selling theme, Turbo, fully loaded, easily accommodates high-volume large catalog shops or small shops looking for premium performance because it is just that flexible. It is arguably the fastest theme on the market with speed settings that you could control and customization settings that free themes just can't compete with. For 20% off Turbo, visit outofthesandbox.com unofficial and use promo code KURT20 at checkout. Try the new theme for two weeks. And if you don't like it, they will give you your money back. How's that for a risk reversal guarantee? That's outofthesandbox.com slash unofficial. Promo code KURT20 for 20% off turbo and a 14-day money back guarantee. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors, so please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.